going on? And welcome to a very special episode of 4GQ TV, where we are interviewing Sarah Sakura. Hey, what's going on, Sarah? Oh, not too much. Glad to be here. Thank you. And we have a co-host, Paris. What's going on? I hope everybody is doing fine and dandy. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Sarah. It's going to be an awesome interview. Thank you for uh, taking some time to spend with us here today. Of course. And we have our other co-host, Paul. What's going on, Paul? Hey, everybody. How's everybody doing? I uh, Not much going on. Just having a nice, relaxing week and enjoying the time. Looking forward to this interview. Lots to talk about. Well, Sarah, I'm going to go ahead and um, do the icebreaker question, or actually have Paris do the icebreaker question because he loves this question. So, oh. Paris? <laughs> oh, you know, the, the pizza. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. You know, Sarah, we've been interviewing, you know, quite a few people across the entertainment industry and asking uh, this one question here. Um, something about food. Um, and it's basically has to, something to do with pineapples. And we want to know, do you like pineapples <laughs> on pizza? Yes or no? That would be a hard no. I don't really like pineapples at all. <laughs> yes. Oh, all right. My camp. There we go. I'm, that is the I'm correct really answer. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So, so no uh, pineapples on pizza. That's a definite no. Hard no. Yeah. Not, no. not pass go. Nice, nice, nice. <sighs> okay, oh, the uh, interview can continue now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Uh, so. Sarah, I was looking at your IMDb, and it's very impressive. I noticed that you have a lot of experience within um, cartoons, um, film, and video games as well. So how did you get started uh, in voice acting and acting? Oh, boy. So I, you know, everyone kind of says, you know, it was my dream. I always wanted to be a voice actor, right? Uh, that's kind of the usual spiel. But for me, not the case. Um, I used to be a YouTuber. I used to do those mm -hmm. like Let's Plays. And specifically, I did a lot of indie games and horror games. And I even did some like unboxing videos for Loot Crate. And that was kind of my thing. Um, and, you know, when I would play these indie horror games specifically, there were sometimes like notes scattered throughout the levels. And they didn't have VO on them. They were just notes. And I would read them pretending to do VO. And for some reason, people kept commenting that, you know, you should look into doing voiceover and people would say they just like listening to me they would just turn on my videos and just listen to me because it was relaxing distracting whatever they needed um mm. so I kept getting these comments over the course of several years and I was like hmm I mean I live in Michigan you know I I'm not in LA I don't want to be in LA how would I even do that I don't know anything about it I don't know anything so I was just like you know I kept it was in the back of my mind for a while I think it was when I played the wolf among us that I was like, you know what, like this would be fun to try. So I reached out to Adam Harrington, who voices Big B in the wolf among us. And yeah, he just like encouraged me, you know, obviously it was, I had no training, no equipment, no anything. Um, but he encouraged me to go for it. And I did, and I never stopped. And it's been over eight years and I really owe a lot to him because had I contacted somebody else who would have discouraged me, you know, maybe I wouldn't have done that, but, you know, having that little ounce of encouragement really helped so much for me. Um, so yeah, I, I was a YouTuber who didn't know they wanted to be a voice actor. I quit YouTube and now I do this. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Yeah, that's 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 quite of a it's an impressive resume. I was just checking it out and, and things like that. There's a lot of a lot of things in here that I definitely so many recognize. things that I want to tell you about too that are way cooler, <laughs> but I can't. Um, it's painful because it's like people look at like the body of work and like, what's your favorite titles? And yeah. your favorite titles are things you can't talk about. You're just like, oh, I promise you, cooler things on the horizon. But <laughs> it's painful. It's like the worst yeah. feeling. But yeah, You're like TBD. Just stay tuned. Don't go nowhere. Right. Bring that same energy. Bring that same energy when I was releasing. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard sometimes. That's the worst part. I feel like other than mm-hmm. projection or recasting, I feel like the other hard part is having to hold these secrets that are you're so passionate about, you <laughs> love, you put so much work into, and holding those for sometimes years, like yeah. literal years. There's this project I worked on. It's been a full year now that it's just like teasing me. It's just like hanging out there in, in the void. And I'm like, I'm just like, can we please? And they're like, not yet. And I'm just like, Oh, every time it's the worst, but yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how it is. You know, you just got to wait. And then you're like, Oh, you probably sometimes probably even forget that you even worked on it. Right? You're like, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> I don't ever remember how it sounds. So like um, recently yeah. Enchantables, I worked on Enchantables with Mattel um, I got really excited. It kind of popped out of nowhere. Just all of a sudden it was out and I was like, oh, okay. So I went to go watch it. Um, a couple episodes that I'm in and I just completely forgot like how I did it. So hearing it back, it's always interesting because it's like, it's new to me because I did it so long ago that I don't remember the lines. I don't remember how <laughs> I approached them. I don't know anything. So to me, it's as new as it is to anyone else. Right. Wow. Well, what you were going to say, say- uh, what would you say would be was or it still is or was or would be your biggest challenge in voice acting? My personal biggest challenge is not living in LA. Um, I am in Michigan and I've had mm. to prove myself tenfold to be like next to my colleagues who are in LA. Um, I recently became union eligible and that was a really big deal. Um, and I started doing projects that are union now. Um, I signed with an LA agency, A3 Artist Agency, um, formerly known known as Abrams. A lot of people know him as that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, having these opportunities that I was told you'll never have unless you live in LA, that really was the thing for me. Um, Partly I'm in Michigan because I love it here. It's my home, but also partly is because I'm disabled and I'm very open about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, having these accessible, you know, um, one second. My cat's trying to break in my door. I have to lock it. You can leave this in. I don't care. No problem. No worries. My cat is so funny. I have a kitten and he's not even a year old and he knows how to open doors and I hear him doing it. I'm like, oh gosh, I got to get him out now. Okay. So no, I just, I really like that these things, you know, having the remote um, option available to us for people who, you know, are immune compromised or are disabled, or maybe they have financial limitations or physical limitation, whatever it may be, really, we should have the option for voice actors, because it is something you can do remotely. We have Source Connect, we have Session Link Pro, we have high-speed internet, and Mm. the capabilities are there. Um, Mm. I understand for some people, it's, uh, it's an issue of quality. So they're like, oh, we need every actor in the same, behind the same microphone, the same room to keep that same quality. But it's not something you can't have, you know, an engineer fix. It's more time consuming and more money, um, which right. is what we don't like. But having actors like myself be able to do these things because of limitations that I didn't ask for, um, I think is very important. So I, I fight really hard for that. That's something that is, is very difficult for me, but also something that I advocate 
tenfold again because I need I need people to know that there is a way it's harder you're going to struggle and you got to you know find your way around these obstacles that are going to come at you and sometimes you know there's there's just the obvious of like right now what's happening with anime um Funimation and Crunchyroll merged under Sony's ownership Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. now all LA and remote actors are cut off we're all cut off um it is Texas only right now um so that is a really big hit to us people like myself are disabled because I was in Log Horizon I was in Rumble Garandal these are productions that are primarily done in-house in Texas and when the pandemic happened they opened up the doors for us but now they're closing them again and it's really disheartening to see things like that happening so it's for sure the biggest struggle is that yeah that sucks because we one thing we've been able to prove um and you know Paul you've been able to you probably can comment on this also you know with some of the things challenges that you've gone through and stuff like that but I'm just saying is that the fact that you know, during COVID where everybody was at home, like for two years, right? And a lot of organizations, companies, they made record profits. I know movie studios, they were still able to do movies and voice acting and people, you know, we've interviewed other voice actors. They're like, yeah, we just set up our studio inside the house and, you know, I don't have to go in and, and, and it works. So um, for, for studios to all of a sudden change that, that's, that's quite interesting um, that, they're, that they're taking that sort of stance, especially yeah. after we've been able to prove that we can, everyone can be just as successful being remote, right? So, well, there's been this huge talk in the industry and voice actors have been very adamant about talking directly to these companies, specifically Sony with uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation with this whole merger is that anime has been notoriously just exploited. Um, Actors are being paid as low as 35 to 75 an hour, which is just barbaric for the current times we're in. Um, That's no two hour minimum. That's no healthcare, no pension because none of it's really union. There's very Mm -hmm. few um, that are union. Usually the union ones are are Netflix specific because Netflix has their own union agreement. Um, But the ones that are under Crunchyroll and Funimation generally are non-union, which is fine. I I have no issue with non-union. I personally do a ton of non-union. Um, but I just don't, I just hate that we don't have anything in place to protect actors from strenuous sessions that are really damaging, like think Dragon Ball and the people screaming their lungs out. These people, <laughs> if, if this stuff isn't unionized, they have no health care, no pension, and they're just destroying mm-hmm. their vocal cords and their future, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, it's just this really low pay. Like some people hear 35, 75 an hour, and they're like, wow that's so much money. Um, how do you make so much? I work in this and this job. And I've heard people actually, nurses have attacked me when I posted about this before and said, I work in a COVID unit unit, and you make far more than I do. I'm like, you don't understand. We come in for maybe two hours a week. So we're right. paid for two hours for that entire week. It's not the same as, a, as a being an employee nine to five. It's not the same thing. So yes, our hours are higher paid, but we have less hours. So mm. it's kind of combating you know that and trying to balance it out but on top of it i mean you look at people on screen and athletes and people just making tons of tons of money voice actors are not the rich and famous that people think we are um (laughs) we're not but you know we can make a living and having standardized rates that are fair not exploitive um is really important so yeah i've I'm an advocate for that too. I I speak out a lot. I'm I'm the kind of person that likes to, you know, 
and not, I kind of pick the hills I want to die on, but I'm very passionate about it where it's like, I'm trying to help people. That's my goal yeah. is to help people where I was not helped and to help people where I know others were not helped. Yep. It's funny. You mentioned that because like Paris made allusion to, you know, my, my gamer tag is cerebral Paul. It's because I have cerebral palsy. So mm-hmm. I'm very big at the accessibility and gaming aspect. And like yes. you, I, I pick the hills I'm willing to die on. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't make a big deal about a lot of things, but there are certain things that when they come up, I just go, you know, yes. you know, and because it's important because it doesn't just affect me. It affects millions of other people too. Yeah. You know? There's so many of us that are disabled and for various yep. reasons. And I don't think any, cause some people were like, well, I'm mentally disabled. That one's not as serious as physical. They're all serious. I mean, a disability is a disability, whatever. I don't sit there and pick and choose which ones are the important ones. They're all valid. So that's the sickening part is like, well, if you have this or this, maybe we'll make exceptions. It's like, no, disability (laughs) is that. And I I hate that we're gatekeeping who can and cannot be disabled in in entertainment in this particular case or really anywhere. Um, So yeah, I I totally feel that. That's something that I've, I've had for many, many years. Um, I've had, I'm, I'm agoraphobic. I'll just say that. So that basically yeah. means I'm homebound because I have severe panic attacks. Like if I have to go do certain things, like I get debilitating panic attacks, I can't just get on a plane and go to LA and record in studio. I won't be able to function yeah. properly. So for me that I won't even be able to perform. I'll just be a hyperventilating mess in the corner, shaking <laughs> like, a, like a chihuahua. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, that's just not uh, possible. COVID mm. kind of made me like that. And it's only recently that I've started to leave the house again. And I, I really, and I had to force myself to do it. I had to force myself to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no. So that's the thing. It was really interesting when COVID happened um, because I was like, wow, the whole world is suddenly agoraphobic. Like you yeah. guys can't go out and you guys can't experience the things you want to do and you're limited in what you can do. And, it, and it's really, that is what agoraphobia is. It's like, it's like house arrest in a way, but COVID really brought that on. Um, so a lot of people, I feel like I even said that to some people I know is like, this is going to create so many more agoraphobics because when the doors open again, people are not going to want to come out sometimes because they're uncomfortable, afraid, worried, like this is going to create that. So I totally understand that. And yeah, I've, I've been agoraphobic since I was 14. I'm 32 now. It's been a hell of a ride. Um, but I'm the most extroverted agoraphobic possible because (laughs) I really love voiceover. I don't mind performing live. I, you know, live direction through my studio is my favorite. I love collaborating with these creatives and working with people who I like, I've played their games because I'm a huge gamer myself. That's what I'm, I know we got some Microsoft people in here. I'm an Xbox through and through yeah the consoles are fine but um no for me i'm definitely uh, i'm a microsoft person myself so that is uh, that's why i'm i'm even more excited about having this talk because that's that's my alignment you know that's my faction nice 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 well i'm glad you're uh enjoying xbox and all the things that uh, xbox has to offer so um Mm -hmm. thank you yeah Uh, so, Sarah, I, would, I just want to say I want to thank you for for being honest about that, because I don't think things like that get talked about. You know, they're a lot of yeah. times publicly they're hushing on the rug. And I think, right. you know, Paul and I, we both have um, different disabilities. Um, I have a lot of invisible disabilities. 
which affect yeah. me tremendously. So when you, and I think that voice acting is a great opportunity for disabled people, people with disabilities yeah. to be able to do something. So being able to do it from home is very important. And I think yeah. that we've seen, like Paris alluded to, in this economy with COVID and post-COVID, we've seen a lot of companies encourage work from home or remote work um, because it's beneficial both to the employee and to the employer. So I, I hope that, uh, Crunchyroll, Funimation, the new Sony merger, what, however they call themselves now, I hope they change their stance on us because it would open yeah. the doors for many people. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I just want to thank you for that. That was very, very important that you said that. Yeah, that's why I, yeah. I, you know, I'm very open about those things. For a long time, I was ashamed, you know, to be like, oh, I'm disabled. I don't want to be known as like the disabled actress for any reason. Um, but I think I stand on my own <laughs> and I, I work very hard and I don't think that I'm just the disabled actress. I think yeah. that I'm just yeah. an actress. But, you know, I do think that part of me is very important because that is yeah. not just my fight, but that's many people's fight. And I do think what you said about you know, disabled people being able to work in the entertainment industry and thrive in their environment that works for them and what their limitations are is just such a beautiful and important thing. And for people to close the doors, I mean, I can't say it's not expected to happen to some degree. Like I do expect it to happen to some level, but it's just yeah. so disheartening to see because they have a monopoly on that industry and they're just completely being like, you can't work here anymore. And it was like that before COVID where you kind of needed to be in LA or Texas to really dub. Um, but we've proved that you don't need to be. Um, and it just, it hurts to see something like this happen. So I do speak out a lot. I've done a lot of, um, Anime News Network did a whole post on this and several other places did as well. And I've been speaking out in these interviews and for these articles. And I've been trying to use my voice the best of my ability because some of these people who are disabled maybe don't have a big platform or maybe they're afraid because there's, you know, potential backlash, right? You could get blacklisted for speaking out. Um, and I just feel like for me, I just really wanted to um, help people. And that's what my goal has always been. And I've been burned for it a couple of times when, you know, I, I speak out for people's behalf. Like I speak out uh, for people to have the right to choose um, if union or FICOR or non-union fits their lifestyle best and what they need. Cause again, I'm, I'm disabled. So if I were to go completely unionized, which, you know, in a perfect world, I would, you know, but if, but if I'm talking logistically and financially, it wouldn't make sense. So a lot of people go union and work off the card, which means they're supposed to only work union, but then work non-union that's not allowed, but a lot of people do it and look the other way and this and that. But for me, I'm, I'm very big on honesty. So I wasn't comfortable with that. Um, especially when 90% of my work is, is non-union. I just don't feel comfortable with that. So mm -hmm. I personally made the decision to not do it and to go FICOR, which is a really big decision to make. And it's hard to talk about because that too has a lot of stigmas in people's judgment, which hurts because as a disabled actress, that was really the only route that I could do without breaking the rules and without completely ruining my income and then what else would I do this is what I've invested nearly a decade into so you know it's it's a hard topic and these things need to be talked about because there's there's so many stigmas um, around it because for example um, union actors who work on screen going FICOR you do get blacklisted you do get a lot of people have issue with you um, not to say that if you do it with VO that can't happen but it seems to not be as impactful um, it seems like people who do VO, tons of people working off the card and tons of people going FICOR is kind of normalized in a weird way. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, that's, I, I just, I'm as a whole, I've been trying to do what is right as opposed to what I'm told I have to do to make people like me. I'm yeah. following the path of logic and taking care of myself, but also helping other people take care of themselves because in a, in a world where you feel like you have to conform to something to make people like you and accept you, it just, you get lost in it and then you hope for the best and maybe you can't make it a career because you don't have those opportunities available to you because to get union jobs, they really have to be available to you. Um, meaning you need to at least have the ability to audition for them. If not get them, you need to at least mm -hmm. have the option to audition. If you go union and you have no agent funneling that to you and you can't network your way into it because it's harder. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a really, it's, it's a dead end in some capacity. You might work once a year, you know? So mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, all these topics, the disability, the union and uh, all of it is just, it's such an important part to me and my career is speaking out. And a lot of people are like, you should just be quiet and just, you know, follow the grain <laughs> and not, and not, and don't put your neck out there. And I'm just like, but that means other people behind me are approaching a closed door. Right. And I want to leave that door open for people who have the determination to go through this career because boy, it's hard. And you have to really stick with it and really do a lot. Um, for those people who have that in them and they're, they have the disability or they have the limitations that are not fair to them, um, that it's like you're dealt a really bad hand from the start. It's already hard to get in, even if you have a great hand, you know? So it, I'm just trying to help people. And I, and I understand that makes some people dislike me because <laughs> I am very open about what I'm doing, but I do it yeah. with the best of intentions. And I hope that at least is known. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Sarah, real quick. Um, you want to explain to our viewers what FICOR is? Because I'm, yes. I'm new to that term and I'm sure our viewers are probably like, what is it? They're probably, once we go live and, and we, we produce this out, they're probably going to search for it. But yeah, if you can, uh, if you can explain what that is and then the sort of the differences between that and actual union and VO industry, that, 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 that would be. Uh, yeah. So awesome. the union is SAG-AFTRA. The union is basically where people go in the United States if they want to work on union projects for TV, film, commercial, um, and voiceover. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a federally protected right, and there's a couple of them. Another one I'll talk about is right to work states. FICOR is when an actor gets to be uh, a dues-paying non-member of the union, meaning you are not a member of SAG-AFTRA, but you are paying initiation fees and lesser dues, yearly dues, um, to be kind of involved, but not part of it, if that makes sense. You have access to being a union, you have a union ID, but you lose certain things. Like you can't vote in the SAG elections because they have their own elections. They, you can't participate in SAG committees. You can't do the voter or the screeners at the end of the year. Um, you can't do certain things like that. Um, if you're FICOR, you forego all of that. However, you can work non-union and union legally and openly, um, and you are still eligible for pension and healthcare if you earn the limits you need through the union. So the important things in my personal opinion is the healthcare and the pension above all. And some people, they, they view that differently. And some people think that the voting and the screeners are more important and they they really, or at least very important, and they don't want to give that up. And that's totally fine. Again, I believe every actor should have this choice without being treated horribly, which in some cases, it seems to be what happens. If you go FICOR, there's a lot of people that get upset at you. Um, a lot of people hide that they're FICOR. And generally, I don't, 
just posted on my website for that reason. I don't mind talking about it because I think it's an important topic. Um, but FICOR is a federally protected right that allows you to do union and non-union. It's not part of SAG. It's a protected law that you have. You can enact your FICOR rights, which uh, SAG is very against. And if you try to, uh, when you call them to, if you're SAG eligible, which means you did a SAG project and you become eligible to join the union, um, if you call them and say you want to be FICOR, they're not going to be happy with you. Just flat out because to, to them you've turned your back on the union and maybe you didn't you don't want that in your heart but financially you have no other way to live and in my personal case I can't just go wait tables as a waitress in between my job because that's what some people do I know a lot of people in LA have friends have done it where they wait tables and then during the day you know during the day and then at night they go and audition to do you know voiceover on camera what have you but it's like I can't do that as a disabled person so it's hard because I felt like I didn't have a choice I just needed to be FICOR because it was the only way which is something that is um something I would love to be part of the the talk with SAG for example is to help make that not the case but um the doors are shut on me because I'm FICOR so that's unfortunate um but it is what it is. Uh, you you kind of have to make a choice as an actor what financially and career-wise works for you. And if you're in LA and you have the traditional agent, union probably does make sense in that case. Um, there's tons of people I know who do live in LA who still work non-union though. So it's not universally everybody's choice. Um, like everybody does not choose the same thing just because of where they live, but their circumstances. I see all sorts of people choosing all sorts of things. Um, and then there's right to work states and there's tons of them, Texas, Florida, Michigan, for example, there's tons of them. Um, these states, you can become SAG eligible working on union projects and you never have to go union. You can just stay SAG eligible forever. Um, but that means you have to be tap heart lead. And tap heart lead is complicated. Um, it shouldn't be complicated. It's a very easy process, but productions don't seemingly like to do it. Um, that basically means if there's a union project and they want to bring a non-union actor in, you have to have this piece of paper called a tap Hartley that clears you to be in that project. And this gives you eligibility to join the union. It's a very difficult hurdle for many of us to pass. Um, the SAG committee and the SAG members I've talked to seem to think that it's very simple. And in, in actuality, it is like for production to do it. It doesn't cost anything. It's, it's just like a piece of paper. Um, it's nothing, but to them, it's just another hassle they don't want to deal with in most cases. Mm. So it is very difficult to get somebody to want to do this for you. Um, so then if you become, if you stay in right to work states and you stay with your SAG eligibility, you'll have to continue to be tap heart lead over time because you're never going to have a SAG ID. If you're FICOR, if you're union, you have a SAG ID, you don't have to be tap heart lead anymore. I know this is very complex and convoluted and I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm spouting at all this information, but it's complicated. It's not an easy black and white answer of why people do what and what is best for them. And that's the thing that I want to get across is like, it is a choice that you need to vary. You need to sit down, educate yourself and really think about it because it's an important choice. And I'm actually writing a book about all this stuff, like how to be a remote voice actor, basically. And I, and I really dive into this topic because there's so much misinformation online. For example, People say you can't join FICOR immediately from SAG eligible. You have to join the union first. That is not true. You can go straight into FICOR. In fact, you can join FICOR and then you can petition to rejoin the union later if you want to. It's not a guaranteed thing and it's not an easy process, but you can undo it if they allow you to. Um, so 
it, there's a lot people don't know. And I really want to make this information available to people so they can make that choice for themselves. Nice. Wow. Yeah, thank I you am, for that. That's great. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning I, a lot. Yes. <laughs> I, am, I am blown away because, uh, you know, I, I wanted to be a voice actor at one time and you know, I didn't know how to enter the industry because right. a lot of my stuff I do from home too. So I had the opportunity to um, just do a quick thing in a, in a project, but it wasn't nothing super big, but your information really is going to open the door. I think for a lot of people that want to get into this, that are remote from home and, and disabled. So it's amazing. And thank you for all that sharing all of that mm. as well. Yeah, I again, the hill I'm going to die on, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, it is what it is. I, I feel like this information, people are, are, they deserve to know their rights and they deserve to know mm. that they have a choice and they should not be bullied into any choice. I think that's very important. And if they want to go any which way, I support you. You're all valid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was going to well, say, you're like my, my spirit sister as far as, you know, the being, the having COVID coming. I don't know about you, but I had people come into me like six months, nine months into it and go, now I know kind of what you feel like all the time and why you get the way you get because you yeah. feel like you're isolated. I'm like, yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> Welcome yeah, I mean, to my world. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, this, uh, the, the gaming and the podcasting and the streaming that I do, that's my outlet. That's been my social outlet for years. You yeah. Gaming has been mine too. I, I really yeah. dived into gaming a lot when my agoraphobia was, you know, at its beginning yeah. stages, I was supposed to be at school. And instead, I was at home having anxiety <laughs> playing Halo 2. So <laughs> there you go. That's that's that was my yeah. youth a lot of the time. So yeah, I get it. Yep. Awesome. Hey, do, uh, do you like playing games that, uh, you know, the, when you when you're playing video games or watching anime, um, uh, and you hear your own voice in the game? Um, does that sort of like, is it is it awkward? Because you know, it's gonna come like you're, <laughs> you're playing a game. And it's like, you hear your voice and it's talking to the character and as you're playing um is it how do you feel like is that like an awkward feeling because you could hear yourself or do you just skip the uh skip the part where you're going to be talking and, and move on um it's it's a weird feeling because a lot of the time i'm like damn i could have done that better you know because some oh. of the stuff you do you do like two three years ago and you're like oh I could so I, now with all this context seeing all the environmentals and all the visuals yeah. everything i, I could change this but yeah i think for me the hardest thing is, is wanting to do better mm. um which is fine i think i'm in the pursuit of always learning um i don't think just because i've done this for over eight years that i'm done with education and, and training and learning and just being right. better in improving all around i feel like there's always room for that um i always try to tell people who are new and want to get into the industry they seem to want to, you know, take a couple classes and be like, I, I did it. I'm done. Now, now where's the job? Where's the money? What do I do next? And it's like, well, I don't think you ever stop learning. And I think that's very important to know, because if you think you did a couple months of training and now, you know, everything you're shutting your, mm -hmm. yourself off to potentially actually being better. Um, because that's, you know, we, this is a competitive industry. You audition and maybe one character is available and maybe like 300 people audition. You never know. Um, so you have to stand out. And if you want to stand out, you need to be the best for that particular character. And you're not, I don't like to view it as your actors or your competition, even though if we're talking about, you know, the actuality, I guess that is how it is. I view it as I need to be competitive against myself. Like, am I putting my best into this? Am I really 
taking the time to understand what these people wrote down in the audition breakdown and am I am I really applying my best or am I just kind of like getting through it to just get through this audition like am I am I doing my best because if I just kind of rush through my auditions and don't really apply myself um, I'm probably not going to book it because there's people that really want this and I need to show that I also really want this um, and that's really important yeah. is just keeping yourself motivated and doing your best every time. Nice. Nice. Have you ever thought about doing any uh, like uh, like Amazon book um, reading recordings, like where you're like reading a book and oh, audio books for, for those? Yeah, audio books. I have done a couple little, I've dabbled in it, but like for mm. me, video games, animation, commercial, yeah. that's really where I focus. Those are yeah. my big things. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Now, I. Okay, if so looking at all the past stuff that you've been in, because I know you can't talk about future stuff, but all the yeah. past stuff you've been in, do you have any uh, games that you really liked being a part of or that you really enjoyed playing the character related to? Or just anything. What was that? Oh, sorry. Um, so if we're talking specifically video games, um, there's there's a lot that are important and they still kind of like I don't know I just there's like a really big sense of pride attached to everything that happened with them I think one in in that comes to mind strongly right now and I could change my answer every day you know but right now I'm, I'm thinking Chernobyl light um, because that game I really wanted to be part of this game I reached out to those devs I think on and off over the course of like maybe a year or two um, and I really wanted to be part of this amazing horror kind of like shooter and there's like crafting elements there's just so much stuff and um I could just tell it was special from the get-go and for me I wanted to be part of it but I never knew the characters like who they were or what they would even send to me and after so much bugging them um they finally were like okay we'll send you an audition and they did and it was right at the like beginning of the pandemic from what I remember and they were like well we were going to record in-house but now the pandemic happened so we need to go with remote. So they, they gave me a chance and it was a grueling wait when you have to like send in an audition mm. and then wait and you're like, did I get it? And you don't want to bug them, but you're like, oh, I'm just going to wait and see. Um, and yeah, I booked it and I didn't just book one. I, I booked like, I, I was one main character. Well, it, I, it, yeah, I guess she's considered a main, one main character. And then I was um, like 10 or 12 little or you know little roles throughout that were just like little dolls scattered in the map that talked to you really creepy and like a nurse <laughs> and just like random stuff right yeah. but um my main character was Olga which is really special to me and I and as soon as I saw that character break down I was like she is this whole game like takes place in Ukraine because it's mm. the Chernobyl disaster um and I'm Ukrainian and that's even more important now because of the war going on but mm. um I'm Ukrainian and my grandparents, uh, they passed away. One was Polish and one was Ukrainian. Um, and so, and her name, she was Ukrainian. Her name was Olga. And she was, you know, a very important woman in my life. And she passed away when I was quite young. Um, mm. And to play a character who's Ukrainian named Olga, I just felt like that was, you know, it was like homage to my parents or my grandparents. And I even asked the devs if they would put a picture of them in the game, like, you know, maybe just sitting on a mantle somewhere. And they did. Um, so that was really nice. That game is special to me for sure. And I, I really take a lot of pride in, in all the work we did with it. I got to work with amazing actors, amazing writers, directors. They're really great over there. Um, and I, and it's, it's on Xbox now, so you can also play it on Xbox. 
Nice. No, I'm gonna have to do that now that you said that. I think that's really cool that they did that. Uh, put your grandparents. Chernobyl light, there. right? Yeah, yep. Chernobyl light. Chernobyl light. Yep. Nice, nice. Well, that was um, a special one to me. Yeah, your parents, uh, grandparents being in, from Ukraine and your Ukrainian, all the stuff that's going on over there right now with the war and right. the characters, your grandmother's name, that's sort of an attachment to it. That's awesome that you're able to get that and land that. And she's a strong woman. I, I love the character they wrote. She is, she's yeah. a strong, very direct, powerful woman. And I appreciate, I appreciate when we write strong women into dialogues and it's not yeah. always like the damsel in distress kind of thing, but strong <laughs> right. women who can hold their own, don't need no man. You know what I mean? Like, that's important. Um, I really like that. Yeah. I don't need no man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't, I just, you know, because it's always the girlfriend, the daughter, you know, the yeah. wife. I like when it's, it doesn't need to be that and she can stand on her own. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Oh, were you going to say something, I, Paul? Because I was going to. No, yeah, I was waiting for it. I thought Paul was going to say something, too. No, uh, I'm checking something real quick. Oh, you're checking something. <laughs> so, uh, oh, I'm not checking for pineapples, man. Because, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Sarah, one thing with their uh, working from home and the remote working, do you ever get a chance to, let's say, um, when you're doing your character and you know that there's going to be another voice actor? that's going to be talking back to your character and you know mm -hmm. them maybe do you ever practice lines together does that ever happen honestly no there's very few sessions i've done where the other actor was present most times i'm recording solo with the director and like a sound engineer maybe a writer or producer is in the call as well um so usually it's it's they're not there um and i just kind of have either context clues based on what they're telling me the director's telling me or sometimes the script shows the previous line. Sometimes they don't, I have no idea. Um, it really depends. Sometimes you have very limited information to go off of and you just kind of have to do your best to decipher what you think they mean. And if the director wants you to change directions, you just follow what, he, what they say and you trust them because this is their call ultimately. You're just there to perform, but they're there to direct you. Um, and then on games where I have no director, I'm by myself, solo recording, um, yeah, there's even times where I don't have the other person's dialogue. Again, I just, I make my best educated guess. I give a couple of takes various ways. Um, and I say, if anything doesn't fit, let me know and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, they do movies like that. The whole, sometimes like the cast, they don't even see each other at all. They just yeah. do the voiceovers and they're like, oh, these big stars are in this movie or in this anime. Uh, that probably 90% of the time they never even seen each other during the shoot the entire <laughs> the entire yeah. shooting so, yeah well, it's, it's like very, for, very oh, i'm sorry i was gonna say like for rusty development if they did uh ron howard's voiceovers before they had the scenes he just had to go with some inflection that he thought would fit you know and they had <laughs> to plug it in you know <laughs> Yeah, they, it, you know, this is why games sometimes have a little weird disconnect and some people yeah. that are hard on the VO and it's like, you guys don't understand, you know, you have to explain as an actor, you're like, you don't get it. If we do our yeah. best, you know, we're, we're given what we're given and we perform yeah. to the best of our ability. And sometimes we didn't know context the way that it turned out. Um, I think I never thought about the fact that you wouldn't get the whole script or at least the part you're in and you would only get your lines and be like, Okay, yeah. am I happy? Am I sad? Am I angry? What? You know? Yeah, you can ask. Like I asked yeah. the director, you know, 
when they say like, for instance, you're mad. Okay. I'm mad. The hell mm. mad. Like indoor yeah. voice, mad outdoor <laughs> voice. mad. Like how, like, did you kick my dog? Like, what did you do? Like, why am I, <laughs> yeah. how, cause there's different levels of mad, right? right. So you can't just say blanket statement. You're mad. That could mean so many things. You can have seething anger where you don't raise your voice at all. And in fact, you're, you're talking in a lower tone and you're intimidating. Yeah. That's also anger. So yep. it's just like, you got to know kind of those things to know yeah. what they have in mind. So I always ask questions if I'm confused yeah. what they mean. Like, are you Dragon Ball Z mad? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very different thing. All that screaming they do. <laughs> right. Yeah. So when you're on a session with uh, the, let's say, production director or engineer, um, how long typically does a session last for, let's say, a cartoon or an anime? And as a voice actor, like, do you have break points where you're like, everybody takes a break and, and you get to eat or, you know, um, 15 minutes? Or... <laughs> uh, so yeah, usually sessions, my average is like one to four hours in a session. Um, you, you don't want to go beyond that because you start to like kind of mess up your voice. So one to four should be the ideal. Um, it could be even less than that. I've had like, I come in for a dubbing session for something. It's like 20 minutes here and you're out, you know, you're paid for the hour, but you just come in to do your job and you leave. Um, and for me, uh, you know, it's different experiences, but in most cases, if we take a break, it's like a five to 10 minute break. Um, and you know, it might be enough to go to the bathroom, grab water, but not eat. We, cause eating would create issues. You, you know, you can have congestion in your throat that way. You don't want to do that. So um there's a lot of sessions i've done where i'm starving and i'm like door dashing food to come right at the end of my session because i'm <laughs> starving um but i i have to just hold out and wait um but yeah like the union i just i did a recent union project that um every hour we took a 10 minute break and mm. if we didn't take that 10 minute break we had to ask everybody in the call if they all were okay with that and we could just continue on so that was really nice you know i, I like when they ask I like when I have the option. I don't like when I necessarily have to, because sometimes I'm in the groove, right? And so we have this momentum going and I just want to keep going in the lines and to have to take myself out for 10, 15 minutes and then come back is it kind of disorients that a little bit. So for me, breaks can be positives, but they also can be negatives if we're if we're in the zone. I don't want to break that. Nice. Yeah, because you you're on a roll, everybody's everything's flowing, everything's going as planned. You don't want to like time out. We gotta go eat. <laughs> yeah, you kind of fall out of character and you have to come back yeah. in later. And you kind of yeah, it's I don't like doing that if we don't have to, or you know, if we finish the script and we're gonna go to a new section, that's fine. Um, but if mm. we're like in the same scene, I would rather just finish that, you know. Yeah. Um, have you thought about doing any on-screen uh acting? If I wasn't, you know, disabled, it's always something that's on my mind. Mm. Um, my Detroit agent, because I live in Detroit, Michigan, um, they send me stuff for like on-screen commercials sometimes. And I'm always like, you know, it'd be interesting. But um, I, yeah. I just don't think I'm in the right place to be able to do something like that currently. Um, yeah. I'm also very happy with VO. Like, I, I really feel fulfilled. And I mm. continually get to work on projects that I'm just like, I get to work on a project this week. I believe we're doing it this week that I'm just so excited about. It's all I can think about. Um, and I just like, I, that's enough for me, I guess. I'm not really like, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. It's awesome. Yeah. You're, you're pretty much content on the, yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. You know, you're going through, uh, you know, various 
projects and the work mm -hmm. is coming and you're doing a great job and you know it's you're you know you're fighting for the rights of people so you know everything is everything's on the up and up right you know so i think awesome. so i also i coach <laughs> with uh jennifer hale has a platform called skills hub and mm -hmm. working with jennifer hale by the way one of my biggest dreams she's literally commander shepherd so that's awesome oh, yes. um, i'm a huge I'm a huge Mass Effect fan, so meeting her yeah, was insane and having her validate me, not that she needed to, but it was right. just really um, and awesome. she brought me on as a coach on her platform. So I've been teaching voice actors and um, yeah, just it's everything is good. I'm very mm -hmm. happy with my career. Um, the only thing that I'm worried about is when the pandemic continues to slow down and if the doors will stay open. That's really the only concern I have right now about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, I guess you have to sort of like trying to figure out um, like what's the best way to do it and how you uh, can achieve that, you know? Right. So, yeah. We all wish you the best of luck on that, of course. Um, <laughs> Thank and you. And we'll be advocating for you. So, uh, yeah. I mean, cool. the things we can do remotely are crazy. Um, so, you know, one question I want to ask you since you are a gamer, um, what are some of your favorite games that you grew up playing? Is there anything in particular that stands out for you? I mean, I have like my top games that I, I really love that whenever people say like, what are your favorite games? You know, stuff like Mass Effect, Gears of War, Bioshock, uh, League of Legends, uh, Portal. And we just recently, that Portal has been trending like all day today and yesterday. And I'm just sitting there like, please make a Portal 3, please. That game, <laughs> that whole series is very special to me. Um, you know, if we, if we talk about like when I was growing up, Pokemon Stadium was like the first game that I ever owned on the Nintendo 64. Um, I really loved Harvest Moon, Animal Crossing, like those were the games that, you know, I played a lot growing up, but um, yeah, I just, I have a deep appreciation for games. It's helped me with my disability, but it's also helped me with uh, just like feeling like I, I, cause you know, being home, you, you know, you feel very isolated so you can connect with your friends very easily, but also you get to go into these really cool worlds and experience these cool things. And mm -hmm. um, for me, that's another reason I do VO. I swear, I feel like my booth is a portal into another dimension every time I go in there and I get to be different people, go different places. You know, for somebody who's agoraphobic, it's, mm -hmm. it's very uh, stimulating, I guess is the word, fun. It gives me a sense of other things because otherwise you're kind of stuck in a perpetual groundhog's day, right? So um, yeah, that's yeah. really awesome. So, okay, so um, I have, a, I have a, I actually have a question um, that kind of leads into that. You're talking about being agoraphobic and your booth taking. Have, do you do VR? Have you, have you started messing around in VR at all? I personally, like, I bought a VR headset on Oculus and I, I tried it for a bit, but it was so just, oh, it was anxiety inducing for me. I could not, I was getting dizzy and like all sorts of things. Okay. So, so for me, like, I, I really wanted to do that, but it just mm -hmm. seemed to kind of give me panic attacks. So sadly, I, I wish I could do it, but I, I think it just freaked me out a little bit because I thought that was a really cool idea, too. I was like, I get to go to other places and do stuff there, too. Yeah. So that was a, a yeah. line of thought that I had. But yeah. in actuality, it was very anxiety inducing. It made me feel sick to my stomach. Well, that's an interesting take because, yeah, I actually did an interview last year with a with um for a National Geographic. And they were talking about doing VR for people like you and I who are basically shut ins to be able yeah. to go into the outside world and see different areas and stuff like that. So, I really yeah. wanted to, like, I was really hopeful. I was really sad. I ended up selling it to my friend. And I was really sad to do that. Cause I, I was like, this, this is going to be a good idea. And then, yeah, it didn't yeah. go so well for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's not for yeah. everybody and that's okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, um, for yourself with the uh, with the condition, um, you know, once uh, being able to communicate with your friends online, I bet you that was a uh, uh, serious positive impact for you. You want to go yep. ahead and talk about some of that and how that sort of changed uh, the way you game and communicate. Yeah, I used to play Halo Two and Gears of War all the time with my friends. Like we'd we'd have a group every night. We'd all get on. You know, mm-hmm. when I was like sixteen to eighteen, like we really had you know, like a lot of people online all the time. Um, mm-hmm. So I always felt like every night I had people to chill with and hang out with and have fun and mess around and have, you know, we'd have our, we would play gear so much at one point that like we had uh, a velvet rope for people coming because it was first come first serve. We had more than eight and it was like four before. So mm-hmm. we, we'd have to like, okay, this person left, we can invite someone else. And we just, we would play private games all the time. Like not even online because we just had so many of our friends ready to go. Um, I miss those days so much. Now everyone's grown up. They've got kids, jobs. They can't do that anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I reminisce about that all the time. And I feel like that was really a key thing that kept me, you know, happy at really difficult times um, because I wasn't always this positive, right? I'm not going to pretend I was, you know, when you go through extreme difficulties with mental health, you know, you, you depression hits you, you know, and that really actually helped keep my depression at bay um so i am very i'm very thankful that's why i love xbox so much because i actually used to be a playstation person one and two kind of was a big they were a big part of my gaming experience but really mm-hmm. halo 2 changed so much for me because that was like right at the start of the agoraphobia and without that i don't know what would have happened to me i lived on it because it saved my mind from being sad and that was very mm-hmm. important for me at the time so i'm very thankful awesome awesome it's crazy. Um, but that's, that's a very uh, positive story. I like on how technology and gaming is, uh, you know, played a, a positive uh, impact on your life and stuff like that. So that's awesome to yeah. hear. So, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. I just want to say there's one quote that I always, I always liked a lot. Um, and it's uh, when Phil says, when everyone plays, we all win. Right. Mm. Yeah, so I just, when everybody plays, we all win, I should say. But yeah, I think that fits very well because, (laughs) you know, when I was growing up, I didn't like to go out of the house either. Um, I had a lot of things going on in my childhood. So uh, the original Xbox and playing Rainbow Six Black Arrow was was my go to and then Halo as well. So we would play those games like all night long. And it was a lot of fun. If in the future, and and of course you can't say anything that you're going to be on but is there any game series that you would like to be on that that um sticks out to you oh yeah pretty much all the ones i just mentioned like <laughs> that, all the, all that yeah i'm i would love to be in any of those for real like mass effect gears um bioshock league of legends these are things that i'm aiming for uh and i hope i can achieve them we'll see i i would love to even just be able to audition for these things it doesn't necessarily have to turn into a role but just even being able to try for these things is already an achievement so a lot of people they're like oh I didn't book I'm sad and they get really beat up about it but you have to remember that like this is not something that we can just always win 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 every time like there's so many people and there's so many variables being taken into account for all these castings just Mm -hmm. being in a place to audition for a game like any of those is already something that like is a step up in the right direction you're in you're in the like the cone of possibility you know what i mean where before if you're not even auditioning well you're not even going to have a chance 
So right. to have a chance is really important. And I think some people get hung up on, I didn't book it, but it's, were you given an opportunity to even try for something that you really want to do? That's something important to you that maybe is a dream of yours because it's hard. Like I recently have auditioned a few times for a couple projects that are also dream come true. So I didn't get them, but I'm in their circle now. So they are sending me auditions when they think something suits me. And to mm -hmm. even have that opportunity is super awesome. And I'm really thankful right. for that. And I always tell them, thank you. When they say, oh, sorry, you didn't get it. I'm like, oh, I, that's totally fine. I understand. Thank you. If there's anything else that becomes available that you think I'd be a good fit for, I'd love to try for it. Like, it's not a negative. You know, I can't expect everything I try for to be given it. That's weird entitlement. That just doesn't work. Um, so yeah, no, you gotta, you gotta keep yourself in check and, and reframe your mind into a positive way where it's not, oh, I failed that audition. It's, I wasn't right for that one, but maybe the next one, you know? Yeah. Yep. yeah there's I've a lot of content out being released. Right. And there's a lot yeah. of you know, future projects all over. So it's just like right. continuous content, continuous shows, games, all that stuff is just going to continue to drop and, you know, there's going to be opportunities for folks in the industry. Um, you just got to go yeah. out there and get it. And if you don't, you know, maybe you can get the next one or the next one after that, just keep trying. So. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yep. And you also hear uh, so many actors who say, well, so-and-so, how'd I get that part? Well, so-and-so saw an audition I did for this other part and they thought, Hey, he'd be great for that part. So, you yeah. know, it, like you said, even if you don't get the parts you were trying for, it opens doors. Yeah. That is actually a really good point that I try to bring home for some people is like, I've auditioned, I've recently auditioned for something on a dream project. And the person wrote me back and said, you're not right for this role. Obviously, we both kind of know it. It's totally fine. But this gives me a great look at your ability to do these emotions and how to act. And she's like, this is something that I'm going to hold on to. So when I do find something that fits you, I can use this as a way to like find where you fit because yep. that's what it's about. Them getting to know you, them hearing you in action them giving you a task and seeing how you take that direction. And if you take that direction really well, but you're not the right voice type for it, that's a really good look for you regardless. And that'll right. keep them interested. But if you're just all, you're just beating yourself up. Cause I knew the minute I got that audition, that ain't for me. I don't sound like, you know, an older person and the voice was very textured and older. So I was like, immediately, this is not for me, but I still did my best because I wanted to show them that I will still try. I will take your direction. I will do the best of my ability. Um, and I can deliver a grounded, natural performance, even if it isn't the right tonality that you're looking for as far as like voice quality. Um, yeah. So for me, that, that was something I did and I'm, and I'm happy with how it turned out and they seem to also be so yeah, that's, that's a positive thing. I don't see it as some people just get so in their own head and they, they have the imposter syndrome, the rejection that's piling up and they feel like they're not getting anywhere. And that's why I always tell people to write down small obtainable goals and check them off. And when you start to doubt yourself, which you inevitably will look at those goals that you've accomplished. And remember you are making progress. It might not be blaring, but it's there. Yeah. That's amazing. Sarah, I just, you know, I really want to thank you for coming on and, and talking about all this stuff, all this important stuff that you have. Um, I actually can't thank you enough because this is a lot of important information for people out there that, that don't know anything about this industry and you've been in it eight years uh, which is amazing and that you're continuing to grow within the industry and and all that you do so you're an inspiration to many people I just want to let you know that <laughs> I don't know I try <laughs> I, I, it's just it's weird you know if somebody calls you an inspiration you're always like oh how do I take that you know like 
Yeah. Uh, I appreciate it. I really do do my best for, you know, the sake of myself, but also others. Cause like I said, I really do believe that I need to leave that door open behind me. And I think a lot of people want to, you know, shut it off and they don't want people to have an in. I've heard people say that even where they say, you know, um, they don't want more people in the industry because it'll create more competition. I don't view it that way. Um, and I think that's important. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, I want to thank you for coming on for the hour with us. And I want to mm -hmm. ask you, um, where can people find you? Um, if you want to just learn about me and what I do, I guess sarahsecora.com. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I, uh, I'm very active on Twitter and that's at sarahsecoravo. Um, I also do some casting stuff on there from time to time. So for voice actors that have the equipment and the training, I'm always welcoming people, even if they don't have the credits yet. Um, I just would like to work with people there. And yeah, I guess I, I might, on my Twitter, there's like a link tree. That's probably the best. Go to my Twitter, find the link tree that's, you know, in the top by the bio. And that probably has everything. <laughs> you just got a new follower. I just followed you. So hey. awesome. thank you. Well, um, to everybody watching, thank you for spending your time with us and, and learning about Sarah and check her out. We'll also post our links down below as well. And you can always find us on 4GQ TV. So thank you very much. Peace. Bye, everybody. <laughs>